I was a very indifferent and rebellious high school student. And in fact, I even have my old report card, which shows that my highest grade is my junior year was a D, and I think that was in physical education. Yes, basically I was getting um, flunking or incompletes and everything. That's Doug Renfield Miller. Reflecting back on his high school years, I'm Steve Levine, host of America the Bilingual. And I'm associate producer Becky Rankin. Now, Becky, you're a high school teacher. I'm sure you don't have students as bad as Doug was. (laughs) Well, at least not in my class this September. Okay, let's hear some more. You know, it was the time. I was very active in the Vietnam War movement, but it was, I'll be honest, a lot of drugs. I had a difficult adolescence. Doug grew up outside of Boston and went to Newton South High School, which he says was not a good fit. And I was very counterculture. So, you know, my first concert was The Grateful Dead in 1967 or something. So I got into all that and school kind of fell by the wayside. A lot of it was the anti-war movement because that inspired natural rebellion. And I think that just overflowed into other things. So I, in fact, was sent home from school once because I was putting up posters for demonstrations. Becky, you're too young to remember the protests against the Vietnam War, but I remember since I'm Doug's age. Back then, the conservatives had their own slogan, which was, America, love it or leave it. Funny thing is, that's just what Doug did. He left America, and we're going to hear what happened when he did, but first, let's welcome everyone to America the Bilingual, a podcast for those who think bilingualism is good for themselves, for their families, and for their country. Fortunately for Doug, his mother stepped in. My mother heard about school year abroad, and I applied not through any desire to learn French or go abroad. School Year Abroad, or SYA, is an organization that sends American high school kids overseas to study. I simply applied because I wanted to get away, and kind of any change would be good. So... Amazingly, I was accepted into SYA. I still don't know how that came about. Uh, I guess I test well. Okay, so how did Doug fare in one of my favorite countries? So I was out of my element in so many ways. I was out of my element uh, in terms of being in a foreign country, but also being from relatively modest means compared to a lot of the others, not being as sophisticated, and not having had the same educational background. Normally, it was juniors who went abroad for a year, but Doug spent his senior year abroad in a kind of immersion that is hard to come by today. My entire senior year, without once going home, without once talking to my parents or seeing any family members. Phone calls home were not cheap, and of course, there was no Facebook or uh, Skype or anything else. Today's students have the benefit of all this technology to stay connected with their homes. Which is good, of course, but it also makes the kind of total immersion that Doug got a rare thing today. I hope Doug had some French before he went. I had basic high school French and, again, was a fairly indifferent student. I did a little more prep work the summer before I got there, but I got there and I could barely understand anything anyone was saying. I remember the bus we were on from the airport, we stopped in some town just, I guess, to walk around. 
and there were some locals and some of my classmates tried to strike up a conversation and they found it was more difficult I think than they expected but I couldn't understand what they were saying or <laughs> the locals were saying. Once he got to his school Doug was relieved that his math and English class was taught in English but in the other classes starting on day one there was not a word of English. I had language, literature, history, and art history. And my literature course, Madame Nebu, was a pure terror. And the grading system was the same as in the lycées, which was on a scale of 1 to 20. And as, as is traditional in the lycées, when the professor hands back your devoir, which is the homework, they start with the best and end with the worst and just call out your name. And so as everybody gets called up and you're still waiting for your paper, you know you're further and further down in the grading system. And so my first rédaction, I received a three. I was probably tied for the lowest. And it was with complete disdain that Madame Nebu gave me back my rédaction, telling me how awful it was in front of all my classmates. Becky, is that what you do to your students in your French class? <laughs> this is very different from what I do in America, but it's not unusual for a French high school, un lycée français. So it was a very humiliating experience and obviously something I not experienced in the U.S. either. But interestingly, I don't remember being discouraged. I remember just being challenged. It took a while, but I studied harder than I had ever studied before and gradually worked my way up. And by the end of the year, I had very good grades from Madame Nebu. I sure, certainly would have gotten the most improved if there was an award for that. I fell in love with French literature. As a French teacher, can you identify with that? Oui, la littérature française. And it seems as though Doug responded to the challenges in such a positive way. I built up a fair library of French books. I've never had a great accent, but I just loved everything French. You know, French cinema, French theater, the museums, the cities. It was just that everything was so different. Everything was interesting. The beverages they drank and the food. Oh, my French mother was an amazing cook. I ate so many things that I'd never had before. Everything seemed to be so, so delicious. One of my favorite events in people's language biographies is what I call the Dorothy moment, when Dorothy wakes up in Oz and everything is in color. This was Doug's. Suddenly, after Christmas time, it's like something clicks. And suddenly, you're dreaming in French, you feel conversant in French, and even if you're not totally fluent, suddenly it comes very, very easily. So it sounds like Doug turned his life around in France. How did he do upon his return to the U.S.? Well, this may horrify you as a high school teacher. Listen to this. So the, uh, one of my claims to fame is that I never graduated high school. Because I went my senior year, I never took American history, which is a requirement to get a high school diploma in Massachusetts. So I did not get a high school diploma. Well, I do believe in alternative options for alternative students. That's quite a situation. I asked Doug how he managed to get into college. I tested well, so I ended up at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and they didn't seem to care. And unlike in high school, Doug did well in college. I ended up a double major in French and philosophy, so I took French all through college, mainly literature courses. And how did you do in those courses? 
straight A's, if I recall. In fact, one of my teachers even had me co-teach with her when, or teach when she had to go away. After his success in college, our young hero went west to Stanford Business School. And you'll love this, Becky. In the business school, you were allowed to take two courses outside the business school. And I only took one, and it was 19th century French literature. And I thought I was on vacation. You know, compared to business school courses, all I was doing was reading French novels. It was it was so much fun. We read um, Les Miserables, which I never read, I think, but it was kind of a novel the novel a week, and it was for me it was relaxation. After Stanford, Doug went on to a successful career in international finance. And there's one story about his experiences in Japan that we'll hear, but we need to talk about the year-long high school program he was on, which was so important in Doug's life, because those year-long programs seem to be vanishing. chance to speak with Jorge Castro, the CEO of AFS, which used to be called the American Field Service. It's the organization that sends the largest number of American students overseas. The trend that we have been observing in, in the last few years, in our case, either year program or semester programs, are not uh, growing. In fact, numbers probably tend to go more down than even stabilizing. Jorge told me students and parents think a year is too long. We have introduced very short programs to, for Americans to go abroad with very specific content uh, during our summertime. And we see more and more interest year after year in those programs compared to the traditional year or semester that we have historically offered. Does AFS have an explanation? Jorge told me schools are often reluctant to give credit for study abroad, while at the same time, students and parents feel pressured to fill their high school years with lots of activities, sports, AP tests, and so on, that they feel are necessary to get into the top colleges. If they can check off the study abroad box as quickly as possible, that seems to be what more and more of them want to do. They feel that if they do a program which usually lasts a couple of weeks with a very specific content, for instance, the refugee program in Hungary or street kids in Colombia. So the participants feel that they have had an international experience, an intercultural experience, that they did something good for the community or the follower to themselves. Then there's the money. Although scholarships exist, many parents feel they just can't spend the money for high school experiences during a time when they're saving for college. There's another dark factor too, fear. Unfortunately, in the last 
two to three years, I would say, with all these terrorist attacks in different parts of the world, mainly in Europe, makes not only potential participants, but the parents concerned to send their kids abroad. Five years ago, just to give you an example, we had high demand to go to places like France, like Germany or Italy, and now is not that evident. Becky, AFS shared some numbers with me. In 2013, AFS sent 449 students abroad for a full year. The numbers have declined each year since, and this year that number is only 332 students, down 25% in just four years. Wow. I was able to speak with the head of Doug's program, too, SYA President Tom Hassan, about their year-long programs. There's still interest in it, but the numbers aren't as strong as what they were, say, a decade ago. And I attribute that in part to students wanting and parents wanting shorter options, although we still believe strongly in the year is an important way to really immerse yourself both in language and culture. SYA reports their numbers declined from 240 students a few years ago to 210 students most recently, although their shorter programs offered in the summer are gaining in popularity. The problem is getting enough time for the Dorothy moment. Here's Tom again. I mean, there comes a time And it wouldn't happen until December or January when the students are actually dreaming in the language and and feel that they can make their way around the conversation at home and and traveling around the city. And that takes time. So it it doesn't happen in a two-week or even a five-week program. Steve, do we know how many high school kids in total study for a year abroad? The numbers are tiny, Becky. From what I've been able to find, probably fewer than 2,000 students go abroad for a year, and that's out of an American high school population of about 15 million. Let's return to our hero. Doug's career in finance took him all over the world. He told me that his year of study abroad taught him not just French, but the importance of learning a few words and expressions in the local language wherever he was traveling. One of his favorite countries was Japan. When you go into a Japanese client, the first thing they always do is they either serve tea or coffee. You don't have to drink it. It's just part of you know being a good host, welcoming I actually love green tea and the coffee's very good too. And my competitor, whenever that would happen, he'd always say, can you get me a Diet Coke? And that is wrong in so many ways. First of all, they probably don't have Diet Coke. Second, you don't ask for something. <laughs> That's very rude. And third, it just showed him as you know completely alien and insensitive to the local culture. So it wasn't just French culture Doug learned about. He gained what we called intercultural competencies which is part of what language teachers teach. So tell us about your high school, Becky. Do you see any kids going for a full year? Unfortunately, I don't think so. It's not usually voiced even as an option. People tend to move to Lexington because we have a great public school and they pay high taxes and want to take advantage of the public school we have. There's also really strict graduation requirements that they would be afraid of not attaining if they went abroad. 
but we do have short-term programs. And you interviewed one of your students about her short program, right? Yes. Her name is Stasia, and she's a French horn player who got the opportunity to play with a student orchestra in France and work on her music and her French. It was 10 days long, and she enjoyed it. Here's Stasia. I'll never forget the time that I walked into the room where I was staying, and it was really tiny, really tiny box with two bunk beds that probably had about three feet of space in between them. Um, and they were pushed up to the walls on all sides, and then a bathroom in the back. So the people that you were living with, you were living with. And there was another surprise. And I looked around, and I started trying to introduce myself to them, and I found out it was a girl from Spain, the girl from Russia, and both of them spoke English. Both of them were there trying to learn French. So I just thought, wow, this is super cool that... Not only is it American people coming or English-speaking people coming to learn French, but they're people from other parts of the world. Stasia discovered another challenge for American students, that they encounter more and more English speakers. Yes, and with the shorter programs, while they can be great, they don't have the time required to gain the kind of language fluency that Doug achieved. Let's fast forward. Doug married a woman named Jean, and they had three children. Doug felt so strongly about his high school year in France that he encouraged each of his children to spend their junior years abroad, which they did, and in the same SYA program that Doug did. Each child became bilingual from their experiences and then was accepted into their first choice of colleges, Bowdoin, Yale, and University of Pennsylvania. Well, that's a pretty amazing testimony. Yes, and Doug told me that each of his kids wrote their college essays based on their year abroad. He added this. I just don't understand parents who can't see that the benefits of a year abroad are far going to outweigh anything that they lose. I wanted to do some more reporting, Becky, to see if I could find more evidence that spending a year abroad in high school can be a positive thing as far as getting into top colleges. So I reached out to one of our nation's experts on college admissions. Kat Cohen. They call me Dr. Kat. And I'm the founder and CEO of Ivy Wise. Ivy Wise is a company that helps students gain admission to the top schools in America. I always advise students, like, if they're interested in another culture or another place or they're interested in, in, in learning a language, that they should really learn it and dive in deeply, as deeply as possible. Kat says there are lots of ways to learn a language. But I always think the best way is to do immersion. And we help students find those programs where they're fully immersed. So it's not, they're not with tons of other American kids and everyone's speaking English and they're only there for two or three weeks, right? Kat was herself an AFS student while in high school. She studied for four months in Argentina. That experience helped her gain admission to Brown University. And while there, she spent her junior year in Madrid. She learned French while in college, too. She went on to Yale for a Ph.D., She advises students to get their language skills down early so they can then do things in the language. I mean, there's so many things that you can do once you have those language skills. I mean, I've had many students learn Chinese and gone to China and done incredible things there. I've had students who learned Spanish and then they went to a tiny Spanish town and took art classes there. And I had one student who was working in an orphanage there who was able to get by using her skills. Kat has two young daughters, not yet in high school, but Kat is practicing what she preaches. Both of her daughters already speak Spanish and French, having spent several of their summers with family friends in Europe. As for the short programs that are gaining popularity, 
I steer students away from doing those shorter programs. I want to see them become fluent and biliterate if they can be. You know, Steve, short programs are a whole lot better than not going abroad at all. And I see students go back for longer programs later. But I do agree that it's troubling that the year-long programs are in decline. Yes, I asked AFS CEO Jorge Castro about what he thinks the trend means. I think that the American educational system needs to, how to put it, come to terms with the world that we live in today. The U.S. educational system, when it comes to, to high school, is too isolated. Here in the U.S., we live our own world, our own bubble, and we think that it is the same all over the world, when in fact it isn't. And to me, it's a big mistake because we are not preparing the future generations to deal with the unavoidable, which is that more and more we are much more interdependent between, between the countries. Steve, I do find that parents are sometimes fearful, and I wonder if they pass that on to their kids. In the 20th century, organizations like School Year Abroad and AFS were founded to foster student exchange to help young people learn about other countries and about one another. The idea was to promote international understanding and peace. It's disheartening that today, terrorists seem to be succeeding, at least to an extent, in reducing the numbers of Americans who venture overseas for long-term study where they can get real language learning. Maybe it has to be our students who brave the forces that keep them at home. I know my student, Stasia, will return to France with me this February. So I think that the fear aspect of going to a new country because you're afraid that you're not going to be able to get around is definitely never something that should hold you back from it. America the Bilingual is part of the Lead with Languages campaign of ACTFUL, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, our producer, Fernando Hernandez, who also does sound design and mixing, and our associate producer, Becky Rankin. Our brand and editorial director is Mim Harrison. Editorial consultant is Maya Thomas. Graphic arts are created by Carlos Plaza Design Studio. Music in this episode with a Creative Commons attribution license by Kevin McLeod, Francisco Panilla, Komiku, and Lee Rosevere. Special thanks to Chris Page of the Council on Standards for International Education Travel for his help in understanding the trends in high school study abroad programs. Visit americathebilingual.com for photos and bonus material relating to this and other episodes. And if you like this podcast, please share with your friends and help us spread the bilingual word. Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine.